the joy of the Lord into the lives of the people who come to serve God. Amen. I'm going to be reading this morning from the book of 2 Samuel chapter 21. You are welcome to stand if you would like for the reading of the word. I, I do want to say how happy I am to see uh, Brother Trevor and Sister Eleanor Barrett. God bless them, associate pastors at Cypress Grove Fellowship in Orlando, Florida. We love them. This is Sister Caitlin Kovach's brother. Amen. And uh, what an exciting time in their family. Uh, baby Zion has come, and so has baby Nora. This is Brother Trevor and Sister Eleanor's uh, brand new baby. And this is just a special time, special time. And we give God the praise for it. Amen. From 2 Samuel chapter 21, and I want to read a few verses of Scripture in your hearing. Beginning at verse number 15. I pray the Lord will give us His good grace to preach His word today. That we may know Him better. That we may learn more of Him 2 Samuel chapter 21, beginning with verse 15. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And I want you to notice this. David waxed faint. Ish-Bibinab, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword thought to have slain David but Abishai the son of Zariah secured him and smote the Philistine and killed him then the men of David swear unto him saying thou shalt go no more out with us to battle that thou quench not the light of Israel and it came to pass after this that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob then Sibishai the Hushathite slew Saf which was of the sons of the giant there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines where Elhanan, the son of Jeroragam, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And there was yet a battle in Gath where was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number, and he also was born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, the brother of David, slew him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. And I want to speak to you today on this subject. I want to take it from this 17th verse where that the Bible says, Abishai looked at David and said, you shall go no more out with us to battle that you quench not the light of Israel. And I want to speak to you on the subject, the light of Israel. The light of Israel. Can we lift up our hands unto the Lord and ask his blessing upon his word. Lord, I thank you for your blessing. I thank you for your word. Every person that is gathered in this room, I pray you will gather us together into your holy presence and let your word speak life to us. Oh God. I pray, Lord, you'll give clarity of thought and mind and clarity of word and tongue, Lord, that we will be able to declare the counsel of God today as you see fit. Help it to get into our soul and rearrange our priorities that are according to the alignment of your purpose, oh God. And I give you the praise and the glory in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much again for being here today I 
When I mention to you the name David, it's very likely that immediately what comes to mind is what comes just about to, to everyone's minds. And this mind of mindset about David has to do with the fact that he was a great warrior. The Bible says that he was a valiant man, a mighty man of valor, and it calls him that pretty early in his life. We see him as the little shepherd's boy that stood out on the hillside of Judea and played his harp unto the Lord. So many of the beautiful psalms that we read from the book of Psalms, these were many most written by David, whom the Bible refers to as the sweet psalmist of Israel. And then, of course, we know that he was watching the flock of his father, the flock of sheep that his father possessed, and as he watched them, a lion broke in upon that flock. David rose up to defend the flock famously and, and defeated a lion. Quite, a, quite an amazing feat for a young man. We know that a bear rose up against that same flock and that bear met David. And when he met David, he met somebody who could take care of himself, could take care of the flock, and, and the bear was defeated. We know this because David explained this whole experience as he stood before King Saul. Why was he standing before King Saul? He was standing there because he had arrived on a battle scene. He had been given instructions from his father to bring lunch to his brothers who were soldiers in the army of Israel. And when he arrived upon the battle scene, there was a massive giant. The Bible says his name was Goliath. And he was in the valley of Elah and was, was crying out saying, send forth a, a champion. And the arrangement was that the Philistines would send forth their champion and the children of Israel would send forth their champion. And these two champions would meet and they would basically decide the fate of the battle. Well, when the Philistines champion came forth, it was Goliath. Nobody wanted to mess with Goliath. When the Israelites went to send forth their champion, they really didn't have anybody they felt comfortable with sending out to meet Goliath. Probably the most suited for the role would have been the king himself, King Saul. And King Saul was having nothing to do with that. Frantically looking around for somebody else to assume this role in this moment. And, and, and somebody said, David is here. And he is a mighty man of valor. David, of course, hearing the defiance of the giant, had, had expressed his interest in this, in this moment and said, is there not a cause? Should we not go out and fight this, this, he called him an uncircumcised Philistine. He wouldn't refer to him as a giant. He referred to him as an uncircumcised Philistine. See, we can get so caught up in the size of our problems that we start giving it a lot more credence than it deserves. And you say, but it is a giant. You don't have to call it that. You just go ahead and, and deal with it on the spiritual basis of things. And that's what David wanted to deal, how he wanted to deal with this. Goliath was to deal with him on the spiritual basis, which was that he was uncircumcised. He was not in the covenant of God. And so David went out into this 
into the throne room of Saul and talked with him. And Saul said, he's been a champion from his youth and you're, you're just a youth. You're just getting started. And, and he has been training all of his life. Plus, he's about three times your size. He said, what makes you think you can take on this, this giant? And David explained to him. He said, because when I was keeping my father's flock, there was a lion that came in. And I should have been killed by the lion, but God delivered the lion into my hand. And, and the bear came in another time. And the Lord delivered uh, me out of the hand of the bear. And he said, and the same God that delivered me out of the hand of the lion and out of the hand of the bear is the same God that will deliver me out of the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine. And Saul, Saul attempted to put, on his, put his armor upon David, to which David said, I don't need your armor. I, I don't, you know what? I'm not used to fighting with your armor. I'm not, I've not proven this armor. He said, what I've proven is the name of the Lord. And when he walked out onto that battlefield, he said to Goliath, who was insulted? that David was the chosen champion sent forth to fight and said, am I a dog that you send forth this child to fight with me? And David looked at him and said, you know, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I don't come to you with those weapons in hand. I come to you in the name of the Lord of the hosts of Israel. And he, and he took a stone. He had gathered five smooth stones from the brook. He took a stone and he sent that stone flying. He, he gathered five stones, only ended up needing one stone. I mean, David was, he was, he was quite an amazing, valiant warrior. Put one stone into Goliath's forehead. Goliath goes down. David walks up, cuts his head off with the sword and takes it back to King Saul it was, a, it was a power move to show, don't ever mess with us again. You're trying to wreak havoc. You're trying to terrorize. And David, was, David stood up. This little young man, a young lad, stands up and faces this giant down. And it has become a, it has become a synonym to the idea of an underdog overcoming very adverse circumstances. David and Goliath. David and the giant. And David was, not just today, but even then, at that moment, he was immediately heralded as a great warrior. One of the songs that was written at that time simply was, it was sung by the maidens, and they, they would sing it out of their windows so it would fill the streets, and it would, the song simply said, Saul has slain his thousands. That was Saul's favorite part of the song. But that was only the first verse. He didn't like the second verse so well. The second verse said, but David has slain his ten thousands. And, and, and they were saying, you know, with Saul, we, we had some victories. But with David, there, there's just no end to the victory. God has raised up a warrior in our midst. And that's what David became. He became a warrior. In fact, he had, he had warred so effectively. And now, you must understand, Israel didn't just go around picking fights. Israel was then, are now, and have always been persecuted by their adversaries. And, and, and that was the case. But in David, they had a, a man of God, a man after God's own heart, who would rise up to the challenge and say, No, we are a blessed people, and we're going to receive the blessings that the Lord has for us. And he was the sweet psalmist of Israel. That means that... He wasn't just a guy who wrote songs, but his songs spoke 
to the heart of the people of Israel. It reminded them that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now we can just quote that and think that that's just some fancy, fancy words put down in some ancient literature. But, but can you imagine what that meant to people whose whole family tree was filled with people who suffered from one heathen king's bondage after another? The tyranny of multiple nations that, that held them in bondage and held them in captivity. And along comes a sweet psalm that says we're not going to experience that because the Lord is our life light the Lord is our salvation and if we'll lean on him and trust in him and obey him he'll keep us in all of our ways hallelujah some trust in chariots and some in horses he's talking about those other nations who put their confidence in their military prowess some trust in chariots and some in horses but we are a different people we will remember the name of the Lord our God they are brought down and fallen but we are risen and stand upright hallelujah he was the sweet psalmist of Israel yea the light of Israel as Abishai would call him on a day that is depicted in our text it's, it's just such a different kind of day so many stories of David's life had to do with his conquest, his victory, his ability to outsmart, outwit, outfight the enemy. As long as David was at the helm, everybody felt comfortable with life. As long as David sat on the throne and was walking with God, then all was well in Israel. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, later uh, down the descending lines of of the kings of Israel and Judah the Bible would say of a king if he were if he were ungodly it would say that he walked in the sins of Jeroboam who made Israel to sin that was a that was a king that divided half even more than half of the nation of Israel uh, from Rehoboam David's grandson but if a man was a godly king if a king was godly and righteous it would say that he walked in the ways of David his father David became the prototype of what a king ought to be. David became the, the, the standard bearer of what the, a righteous king is, one who puts God first. Now, he had his flaws. I won't get into those today, but, but he was a very flawed and imperfect man who needed the mercy of God in order to continue. But, 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 but he was someone who had a, he had a certain way of living and a certain way of of acting in a certain way of fighting that people knew everything was going to be okay with David at the helm until 2 Samuel 21 and verse 15, 16, 17. The Bible says that, that the Philistines came to war against Israel again. Now I know I just told you about when David took the head off of a Philistine named Goliath. That should be the end of it, right? But it wasn't the end of it. Because the enemy kept re-emerging and kept coming back to fight. And, and let me just go ahead and say to someone here today, if you think one victory in your life is going to be the end of your battles, then you're, you're sadly mistaken. 
Just because you have a great victory in God today doesn't mean you're not going to have another battle next week, next month, next year. But hear what I've come to tell you. The same God that delivered you out of the hand of the lion is the same God that will deliver you out of the hand of the bear. And he's the same God that will deliver you out of whatever Philistine comes your way. And here they came, they came, the Philistines came, and, and out went David, as he normally did. He didn't, he didn't fear, Israel didn't fear. David had strength, he had valor, he had vim and vigor. But in verse 15 of 2 Samuel chapter 21, he mixes it up with a son of the giant. And his name is Ish-Bibinab. And Ish Bibinab, that name just sounds kind of intimidating. You know, if, if a guy walks up to you and he's three times your size and you say, hey, what's your name? And he doesn't say Bob or Bill. He says Ish Bibinab. <laughs> I don't know about this. I don't know about this. Hey, Amen. The name says a lot about, you know, my, my brother at one time had a massive, uh, massive uh, Labrador retriever. And, uh, man, this thing was full uh, size, and, his, and it was a she, and her name was Daisy. And if you just knew he had a dog named Daisy, you might be a little deceived when you met Daisy. <laughs> Ish Bibinob kind of fits the profile. It, you know, the more syllables in the name, the more intimidating. Ish Bibinob walks up, and the thing the Bible says that Ish Bibinob was a son of the giant. He had with him, the Bible says, a new sword. Now that's interesting because David had taken the sword of Goliath and he kept the sword of Goliath as a memento of the victory God had given him that day. David had the sword of Goliath put away and would, and would refer back to it later when they had reasons to use it. He would, he would, in fact, one time he came back and said, give me the sword of Goliath. He said, there is no sword like that sword. It was, a, it was a reminder to him of the victory of God. But, but when we look at this scripture, the Bible says that Ishbibinab comes in with a new sword. He's got a brand new sword. And here David thought that he had, he had taken the sword of Goliath. But here comes sons of the giant. Here come the descendants of the battles David has won in years past. And they come with a new weapon. I want you to know something, ladies and gentlemen, and you need to get this down in your spirit. When you walk with the Lord, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You need to get that down in your soul. Ah! So that when Ish Bibinab walks up into your life and he's carrying a sword you've never seen before, you don't run and hide and become afraid thinking that you don't have power against this sword. The same God. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So, so when the Bible speaks of God's sword, it's speaking of God's Word. God's Word is a sword, but that is a spiritual concept and a spiritual reality. It is true of words at, at all. So even the words of the enemy are a sword. They cut and they divide and they break asunder. So when the enemy comes in with a new way of saying an old lie, 
when the enemy comes in with a new way of striking fear in your heart. See, you used to have victory over a certain kind of fear, but then another kind of fear crops up. It's the same enemy. He's just got a new sword. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Because let me tell you about this sword. The word of God is quick and powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword. Hallelujah. 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 Woo. Thank you, Jesus. But something happens in this verse that is challenging because the man who slayed his ten thousands waxes faint in the battle with Ishbibinab. The man who was the sweet psalmist of Israel waxes faint in his battle against Ishbibinab. The man who had slain the lion and the bear and the uncircumcised Philistine and, and could not even build the temple of the Lord because of the blood that was on his hands. He had waged so much war and won so many battles. This same valiant man, this mighty man of valor, he waxes faint in the battle against Ishbibinab. And the Bible says that Abishai, the son of Zariah, secured him, which, which it's, it's as it sounds, he secured him. He, he got him away, put him aside, and said, you know what? He, he smoked the Philistine. He battled Ishbibinab for David. He fought the giant, and he killed him. And then the men of David swear unto him, saying, you shall go out no more with us to battle, that you not quench the light of Israel. I know, I know it's in you to fight. I know that it's in you to battle the giants. But, but King David, hear me. You can't go out into this battle anymore. Because if, you, if something happens to you, it quenches the light of Israel. And so we're going to put you, put you somewhere where you don't have to fight. We'll come to you for counsel. We'll come to you for guidance. We'll let you draw up plans. But you can't go out to the battle anymore. This was a turning tide for Israel. It was a moment of stark reality that this man who was so accustomed to rising to the occasion, who was so accustomed to stepping out on the battlefields with nothing more than a slingshot and stones in a pouch, and he walks out onto this battlefield and he finds himself against the wall. He finds himself on the ground with a younger giant with a new sword having him pinned against the ground, and, and he would have died that day if it hadn't been for Abishai. Abishai, whom he had trained. See, David had trained many men. He trained 37 elite soldiers. Now, that's not talking about his army. These are the elitest of the elite soldiers. And there were, there were a few that were his mighty men. And Abishai wasn't even among his mightiest. There were three who were mighty, mighty men. And then Abishai was the captain over the second tier of his mighty men. He was a captain of of. of three of his mighty men. And Abishai, you've got to know what this man was like. He stood and fought 300 men with his spear and won the battle because he had been trained by 
King David. Abishai was the one who said to him in the day when Saul was chasing him, he was loyal to David. He said, we need to just go ahead and take Saul's life. We have him. The Lord has delivered your enemy into your hand. They found him in a cave, vulnerable, and Abishai said, let's take him out. David said, we'll not touch the Lord's anointed. And God honored him for that. Abishai was the one who said concerning Shimei who came to curse David when Absalom rose up against him. And and Abishai looked at David as Shimei is cursing and throwing stones at the king. And and Abishai looked at David and said, are you going to let this dog live? That's Abishai. Are you going to let this dog live? He's cursing you, throwing stones at you. And David, I love what David said. David said, if the Lord has commanded him to curse me, then who am I to take vengeance out on him? What a perspective. Some of the things I'm going through, the Lord has, the Lord has sent this my way. I'm not going to be on the opposite end of what God is trying to work in my life. I'm not going to throw a stone back at Shimei. I'm going to go ahead and absorb it and keep on walking in the will of the Lord. He wanted permission to kill Saul. He wanted permission to kill Shimei. He was the brother of Joab, also the son of Zariah, who lifted up his spear against 300 men and he slew them. He led a battalion that destroyed 18,000 Edomites and took Edom captive because Edom too was trying to destroy Israel. Abishai was a strong man. You know why? Because he was trained by David. And here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen, is that the light of Israel must never go out. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said this to the dictator of Iran. He called him out at the United Nations General Assembly in his speech when the heat of of talks in Tehran about annihilating Israel were reaching a peak. Prime Minister Netanyahu stood in the assembly, General Assembly and said, I have a message for Ayatollah Khomeini of Iran. He said, the light of Israel will never be extinguished. It was a reference back to this day when Abishai said, David, we're not letting you come out to battle anymore that the light of Israel not be extinguished. See, the light of Israel is something so important. The Bible says that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. That word, and God said, that, that, is a, that is a, God said, let there be. That word, let there be, there's a word for that, let there be. And the word is haya. And that, that word haya simply means I am. It's the same word God used when he spoke to Moses in the burning bush. And said, Moses said, what is your name? He said, you can tell them my name is haya. Or I am. You let them know I am. So when God said let there be light. He very literally was saying I am light. And when he said who he is. That's when the world came to light. That's why the Bible says by him all things consist. It is the identity of God that makes the world go round and round. Hallelujah. Oh, uh, don't, you, don't you know, ladies and gentlemen, that's why the enemy is so intent on discrediting people's faith in God. 
That's why he's so focused on dragging people's faith down when they put their faith in God. If it's just a fairy tale, there's no harm in it, you would think. But the devil knows it's not a fairy tale. It's the identifying factor of God. I am that I am. I am light. Oh, hallelujah. And that light was was permeating the earth before the sun was created, before the stars were created, before the moon was created, because it's a light that doesn't have anything to do with the sun or the moon or the stars. It's a light that has to do with the identity of God. And that is the light, hallelujah, that shines upon us in moments of great darkness. It's not the sunshine alone that, that, that shines on us in the middle of the day. It is the light of God's identifying power that shines upon us. And it followed Israel. And Israel was chosen because Abraham believed in God. It was counted unto him for righteousness. God made a covenant with his people. And God was going to cause Israel to stand as a testimony of his goodness. And of his grace. And of his power. And every time they would follow him, he would be with them. Every time they would obey him, he would be with them. This happened in the time when they were leaving Egypt. Many plagues came upon the Egyptian people, and they didn't come upon the people of Israel. Many plagues, they did not come upon the people of Israel. God set them aside, set them aside and spared them and set them up as a testimony of righteousness and of his divine protection. In fact, there was a plague of great darkness that came upon the Egyptian people. The Bible said that Moses lifted up his hand and great darkness darkness filled all of Egypt so great was the darkness the Bible said God said it's going to be a darkness that can be felt you're going to feel this darkness and what it means is you're going to have to grope it's not going to be the kind of darkness where your eyes adjust to it it's going to be the kind of darkness where you have to kind of feel your way or you're going to stumble and fall the Bible says they could not see one another they, they could not look at another person and recognize them as a person. It was a gross darkness. It was, it was a darkness that could be felt, a darkness that had to be groped in. And that is the darkness our world finds itself facing today. It's a darkness where they cannot see one another. It's a darkness where they cannot see the truth. It's a darkness where they are so blinded. It's a darkness where they are so unable and incapable of finding their way. It is a gross darkness. But, but in the middle of the darkness that came upon Egypt, the Bible said, but in all the dwellings of the people of Israel, there was light. Everywhere else you went was gross darkness. But as soon as you came into the, into the place where the children of Israel were dwelling, there was light. Hallelujah. I thank God I got this. I don't got to be scared of nothing no more. You hear what I'm telling you? This is a little bit of Holy Ghost right here. I got me a flashlight to go wherever I need to go. I heard the Bible say, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I heard Jesus say, I am the light of the world. I heard him say, you are the light of the world. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
and let it be ever so that when somebody comes into the presence of a Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, water baptized, blood bought child of God, let it ever be so that they walk into the light that has emanated from you. Oh, hallelujah. I'm just going to give you a heads up. If you come around me, the Lord is going to be praised. I'm just going to give you a heads up. I don't, I don't know how to be any other way, Brother Jordan. I don't know how to be any other way. I, I've, I'm, you know, we talk about relating with people, and we need to be able to relate with people. But I can't stop being me. I'm a new creature, and it just comes out of my mouth sometimes. Praise the Lord or glory to God. I'll finish sentences with amen. I, I mean, I just don't know how to be anything but who he's made me to be. And I'm not going to apologize for it. It may be the only little light they see all day. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, people don't just bump into gentleness out there in that dark and lonely world. They don't just bump into peacemakers out there in that dark and lonely world. They don't just happen into people who are kind and gracious. It's the church's responsibility to be gentle and good and kind and peacemaking. It's the church's responsibility to let our light so shine before men. Oh, I, I, can I preach to you for just a moment? Because I need to tell you what the Word says. The Word said, let your light so shine before men that they glorify your Father in heaven while beholding your good works. So the good question is this. Am I letting my light so shine? Well, I don't know. Are they glorifying your Father in heaven? Because if not, we got to... We got more light shining to do. I'm going to let my light so shine. Woo, hallelujah. That by the time it gets done shining, they're beholding my good works and glorifying God. If they're not glorifying God, I haven't shown enough light. Don't be condemned by that. Just let the light shine more. Let the light shine more. Woo. Come on, turn every light on in the house. Stop trying to save on your electric bill. Turn every light on in the house. Hallelujah. My God. We got too many Christians unscrewing light bulbs so they don't have to pay more money. Costs too much to show that much light cost too much. We got to keep the outside lights off. We got to keep the dining room light off. I'd say turn the hallway light on, the dining room light on, the kitchen light on. I know it costs a lot. I know it's hard. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you to do it, but turn the lights on. Turn the light on. Hallelujah. <laughs> they can't see one another in that world. They don't see each other the way they're supposed to see each other. 
They see one another the way the world has conditioned them to see each other. And there's hate out there, and there's malice out there, and there's envy out there. But we walk in the light as he is in the light. You know, that, that scripture is telling you why you walk in the light. We walk in the light as he is in the light. That's where he is. He's in the light. I'm going to walk in the light as he is in the light. He's in the light, so I'm going to walk in the light. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, when the, when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness, the Bible says that the Egyptians came upon them. But the Lord had gone before them as a pillar of fire by night. And a pillar of cloud by day. And the Bible says that the pillar of cloud was a darkness to the Egyptian army. But it was light to the children of Israel. Hallelujah. Ah, listen, hear what I'm telling you. There have been too many saints of God on the wrong side of the cloud. Oh, Jesus. It's in my spirit, so I'm going to have to preach it to you. You've been on the wrong side of the cloud too long. You're starting to see things the way the world sees them. You're starting to believe things the way the world believes it. You're starting to act the way the world acts. Starting to dress the way the world dresses. Starting to go where the world goes. It's time to get on this side of the cloud. Woo! Where the light shines. It's time to get on this side of the cloud. Ha, ha, ha. Where the light shines. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Joshua said, Lord, I need more daylight. God said, that's all right. You can have as much daylight as you need because the light of Israel must never go out. Gideon said, I had 32,000 men. Now it's down to 10,000. Now it's down to 300. I don't know what to do. God said, that's all right. Just put a little light in a pitcher. And go break the pitcher. Hallelujah. And when the light shines forth, it'll drive the enemy away. The light of Israel must never go out. What Abishai was telling David, listen, it was not just so David wouldn't die. This is what he was telling David. King David, you're the one fighting Ishbibinab. I need to be the one fighting Ishbibinab. Because when you die, we must make sure that the light doesn't go with you. Too many times God has raised up a deliverer only to see Israel backslide when that deliverer dies. Too many times God has raised up valiant warriors only to see Israel backslide when that valiant warrior dies. Abishai is saying, David, you've trained us. Let us fight. You, you put us through boot camp. Let us fight the enemy. David, look, you're waxing faint. Your arms aren't what they used to be. Your legs aren't what they used to be. Your aim isn't what it used to be. But you trained me. You trained me how to fight with a sword. You taught me how to pray. You taught me how to worship. You taught me how to seek. A Let me fight this battle so that the light of Israel will not be extinguished. Yes. 
I want to say to every elder in this house, we thank God for you and we thank God for your years of praying and fasting and sacrifice. And in the name of Jesus Christ, the light of Israel will never go out. In the name of Jesus Christ, the light of God's truth will never be extinguished. We hope, we hope, should the Lord tarry, that everybody lives forever. But the fact of the matter is that all of us have an appointment. But I want you to know that this gospel doesn't rise or fall upon any one person or people. This gospel of Jesus Christ, when hidden in the heart of a man or a woman, a child of God, who says, this is what I believe. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. His name is Jesus. His name is to be praised. He is the one true and living God. And he paid the ultimate price for sin and death. And he fills us with his spirit. He raised himself from the dead. And he sets us apart into his glorious light. And we live for him all the days of our life. Don't ever let that light go out. Young people, hear me. I can't tell you the joy that it brings to my heart when I see you weeping in the presence of God, giving your heart and your soul to God. Because I know, should the Lord tarry, I won't be here forever. But I know when I see you praising him, I know when I see you lifting up his holy name. Hallelujah. When I hear my daughter preach the word of God like she did Wednesday. I know the light of Israel is going to shine. I know the light of Israel is going to shine. Come on, I know you've been through the flood and I know you've been through the fire, but look where you are today. You're standing in the house of God. You're standing in the presence of God. The light of Israel is shining. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you will. Stand with me if you will. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. That light, the Bible says that David, we cannot let the light of Israel be extinguished. That light referenced in 2 Samuel chapter 21 is a light that glistens. It glistens. It is different than the Genesis 1 light. The Genesis 1 light is the light that illuminates. It's the source of light. It's the same light that was there in the plague of Egypt where all of Israel had light in their dwellings. Genesis 1, same light. The light that existed in the light that came from the cloud for Israel but was darkness to the Egyptians. That's the Genesis 1 light. Or is the name of it. Yeah, it's an illuminating light. It's a light that comes from God. It is his identity. But the light that David was, was a little bit different. David was not that light. He was a light that glistened. In other words, the light didn't originate with David. David had just been cut so that when the light shone on him, he glistened. And I, I wonder if there's somebody here 
who can let God just cut on you a certain way. That when his light shines on you, you sparkle and you glisten. (laughs) In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not that light. But he was sent to bear witness of that light. That is the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. That all men through him might believe. I know, I know you've been through some things. I feel the Holy Ghost here. I want everybody who has, who has had something cut on you, I want you just to lift your hand, not in recognition, but in praise to God and praise to God. I want every person that has felt the deep, piercing knife of trial and challenge. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what's getting ready to happen. God's just cutting some stuff away so that when the light shines on you, you will glisten with glory. You will glisten with grace. You will sparkle with salvation. And the whole earth will look upon you and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Listen. You can't lean on David to keep fighting every battle. Bishop and Sister Buller, I thank God for every battle you fought. I thank God for every battle you fought. I want to tell you, there's a reason we're naming the Family Fellowship Center, the Leroy and Evelyn Buller Family Fellowship Center. It's because of the years of sacrifice and dedication that this precious man and woman of God gave to the Lord. But they need somebody to come in and pick up that sword right now. <laughs> Woo! That the light of Israel be not extinguished. Brother Ken Wilson, I thank God for you, sir. Your dedication and your devotion. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I thank God. He plays that trumpet under the Lord. He plays that trumpet just like the Bible says to lift up the sound of the trumpet. And I'm going to tell you so much of what we're accomplishing right now. I'm going to tell you, if you had to tie things back to a prayer, many of those prayers came right off of the lips of this man, Brother Ken Wilson. But he needs somebody to come in and pick up a sword and say, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight the giants. I know, listen, I know there are new swords being thrust at the church in 2021, but we're not afraid of any new sword, and we're not afraid of any new battle, and we're not afraid of any new giant. The same God that delivered us out of the land of the lion and the hand of the bear is going to give us victory in every battle. It's going to give us victory in every war. I need somebody to believe it, to lift up your hands and lift up your voice and give God a shout of praise.
Come on, I need some warriors to step down to the front right now. I need some warriors to step down to the front right now and say, Lord, use me. Use my hands. Use my feet. Use my words. Come on, somebody. It's your time. It's your time. It's your time. This is your day. Come on, it's your generation. Come on. Come down dancing. Come down dancing. How glorious was the king today? Dancing like a fool. He said, you wait till the next time. You haven't seen anything yet. God has been too good to me. I said, God has been too good to me. I want to know. We can never let the light of worship die in the church. We can never let the light of praise die in the church. Come on, I need some dancers in the house. I need some shouters in the house. I need some singers in the house. Woo! Come on, dance like the weight has been lifted. Dance like the weight has been lifted.
to perform miracles if you're here today and you need a miracle it doesn't matter what that miracle is if you need a miracle I want you to lift your hand all across this house hallelujah 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 and I want you to say Lord now you say it however you want to say it but this is the gist of what you're saying Lord, I want you to forgive me of every sin in my body and in my mind and in my spirit. Lord, I confess to you that I am in need of salvation. Lord, I confess to you that I need you and only you can save my soul. Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, purify my heart and my mind. Hallelujah. Lord, if there's any obstruction, if there's anything in the way, forgive me, Lord, and cleanse me now, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Because I stand upon the promises of your word that by your stripes I am healed. I stand upon the promises of your word that you shall supply all my need according to your riches and glory. I stand upon the promises of your word. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah that it is the Lord that healeth me. I want you to declare your miracle right now. I want you to declare your victory right now. I want you to declare it in the Holy Ghost. Declare it in the name of Jesus Christ. Woo! Go 
go ahead all across this building. God, let the miracles flow. Let the miracles flow. Let the miracles flow. Shake it. 